right, well, we are in James chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 25. And the title of the study is A Call to Humble Obedience. Now, this is going to be the first exhortation that James is going to give about our speech and uh, how we communicate, how we talk. Um, He's going to come to this in a couple of different ways, a couple of different times. But this is the first. And he speaks to the believers that were in trials and temptations. So that's what we're coming out of. And now he's going to exhort them to listen up and hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. Now, one of the challenges that we find in these first two verses, verses 19 and 20, is whether we are talking about communication that happens in a relationship with the Lord or a communication that happens in the relationship that we have with one another. Um, If you look at verse 18, um, we're talking about receiving the word of God and um, it's able to bring us life. It's a blessing that the Lord gives us. And then we go into this section here and it begins to talk about being slow to hear um, and being are swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to uh, show wrath. So are we talking now about a different relationship and hearing differently than the hearing that was talked about in verse 18 where we were brought forth by the word of truth? And I think what you will find is there's pretty equal division among um, those who study this. So the way I'm going to approach this, I'm going to lean towards the idea of this being a response of how we should interact with the Lord. Um, But I'm going to make application as well to our communication with one another. So I think there are good cases to be made for either of these positions, but I just kind of lean slightly to the, to the side that this is speaking about our communication that we have with the Lord and how that should look. And so that's how we're going to take a look. Now, beginning in verses 19 and 20, we're going to hit three main points that we should have in our relationship. So let's read verses 19 and 20. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So the exhortation is to be swift. Swift to do what? Well, we should be swift to hear. We should be swift to uh, uh, speak, or slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So he's saying here the first exhortation is hurry up and listen. Hurry up and hear what the Lord has to say. We often will find in our generation, people are are very quick to want to hear what the stars have to say, what the musicians have to say, what the actors and actresses have to say, what um, athletes have to say, what commentators have to say, like, subscribe, do all this so you can hear as soon as I say something, you can be informed and you can be notified that I just said something and you can swiftly hear what I have to say. And so this is kind of the cultural day in which we live and communication goes out like that. If if somebody sends you a text, it is generally expected that you're going to respond within seconds. You're going to be disappointed if you text me. I'm just telling you that right now. I do not respond that quickly. Um, and, and so, you know, I take my time. I work through things. I've got a lot of things I'm doing. I think some of you are probably like that as well. And I mean, honestly, there's, a, a, I think, a big part of us that is like, could we just go back to the days when we had the phone and not even the answering machine? Oh, my gosh. 
Think about that for just a second. How peaceful that was. And, um, you know, what was a mobile phone? And when I was growing up, on a teen, it was a teenager. You know what a mobile phone was? A really long extension cord that you could walk from one room. And, you, you know, it was cool. I mean, you had a 15-foot cord, and that was mobile. Um, you know, and now we have all the conveniences of this. And I'm not really trying to make a point of this. It's just I'm telling you that... There's this pressure that we feel to hear each other right away. But the only command that we have in Scripture is that we're quick to hear, I would say, hear what the Lord has. Now, we should listen to what each other have to say, especially in you know, those tense moments. But this is where we need to be running to, to hear what God has to say, to speedily take in. And the word for hear is not just, I heard something, but it's actually... The, the, the act of giving careful attention to something. To pay close attention. You know, um, today begins the NFL football season. It all started on Thursday. Go Dolphins. I know, it's sad. But anyway, um, I'm very adjusted to losing. Don't worry. Um, but, uh, you know, this is, you know, a lot of wives are going to have a hard time communicating with their husbands. And they're not going to give careful attention and listen and heed. When she said, and this is not excusing you, by the way. I'm just stating facts. When it's, you know, in that key moment, and she says, hey, such and such and such and such, and you're going to say, yeah. You have no idea what you just committed to. And then you'll have a follow-up and say, did you hear what, you, what I just asked you? I, I don't know. What did you say? Well, you answered me. So this is in my house, okay? So you get an I, I lock in, and, and she's like, you need, Rebecca, she, and she likes watching football, too, and she goes, you didn't even hear me. I'm like, listen, I didn't want to interrupt the commentators. They were speaking. I just, I'm respectful in that way. So I, I, I'm, a, I'm a male. I lock in on that. But when it comes to the Lord, we need to be quick to hear and we need to pay careful attention, and the idea is to pay careful attention that we might heed, that we might listen. If you travel and you get on a plane and you do that a lot, when they start to talk about the safety, probably you don't listen because you've heard it, you know it. But if um, you, know, you have a flight delay, and they're trying to give you information about where your next plane is going to go or when you're going to, it's going to take off or it's going to land and somebody tries to talk, you will immediately hush them. Shh, hang on. Because I want to pay careful attention because I want to hear what they have to say so I can know what my next course of action. That is the way we're supposed to be listening to the Lord. That is the way we're supposed to be quickly hearing what he has to say. You know, much has been made in our day of the preacher's delivery. But the Bible has very little to say about that. Do you know that? It says, you want to know the qualification for um, a teacher? It says an elder ought to be apt to teach. That's, that's not a big, you know, production there. You just ought to be able to communicate the word of God. It does call us to rightly divide the truth that when you're being presented the truth 
You know where the emphasis goes in the, in the preaching and the hearing? It goes on communicating truth and on listening. And I think you could actually find that there's far more spoken about listening to what the Lord has to say than the communicator being um, one that's really easy to listen to. Now, I think that that should happen, but the emphasis in Scripture is not on the pastor's delivery, it's on the listener's listening. And that we should have circumcised ears, that we cut away anything that would get into our hearing that would keep us from this. Jesus makes this statement in Luke 8.18 in this regard. He says, therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. So there's an exhortation to listen, but then there's a warning. And if you don't listen, if you don't pay attention what I have to say, even what you seem to know, and even what seems to have settled into your heart, that's going to be taken away from you. Because when I speak, Jesus is saying this, when I speak, I should be heard. When I speak, I should be obeyed. And those that hear me and are quick to do this, I'm going to keep on giving you more and more and more revelation, more and more information, not more than Scripture, but that even Scripture is going to be coming alive and it's going to be clear to you on how to live. The idea is not only to hear, but to comprehend what's being taught. <coughs> James, in the following verses, is going to show how we ought to hear, and the idea is that we adhere to obey. But how do you prepare yourself to be a good listener? Well, here's a couple of ideas, and I'm sure you can add to this list. It's by no means meant to be exhaustive, but I think, first of all, realize the speaker has value. Realize that the one that's saying something actually has valuable information to communicate that you would want to hear. So realize that the speaker has value, but then realize you need to hear. It's not just that the Lord has something that's worth hearing. It's that I need to hear what the Lord has to say. And, and the Lord would seem to indicate that if we are lazy listeners, or we're foolish listeners not taking heed, that we're going to hear even less, comprehend even less what he has to say. Me realizing I need to hear is understanding I have shortcomings. Do you realize you have shortcomings? Do you realize you have deficiencies? Do you realize that you have need of instruction in your life? We don't know everything, nor do we remember everything that we have learned. Wouldn't it be great if every Bible study you have sat in, you can remember completely, as long as it was truth, right? Is that a good, I mean, that'd be great. And you think that, but let me tell you, I wish I could do that for every sermon I've preached. I mean, I look at it, I'm just like, man, my memory. I'm glad I take notes. I really am, because I can go back later and I can look over my own notes and see what I said. But this is the thing, is that we forget what we hear, and so we need to hear it again and again. So realize that the speaker has value. Realize you need to hear, I need to hear, and then pray and ask God to give us an ear to hear. This is what the psalmist said is, you know, open up my eyes that I might behold your word, the truth, the wonders of it. One way to evaluate how good of a listener you are is to check your appetite for the word of God. Are you hungry to hear what the Lord has to say? 
couple of verses come to mind. 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How does a baby desire milk? Well, it's everything. They desire it with their entire being. They want it so badly they will scream with all of their little might until they get it. And they will do this all day long and all night long. Right, moms? Right, dads? You know, newborn babies. They're wonderful. They're precious. But there goes your sleep. You know, it's, they're going to wake you up whenever they feel that, that hunger. And they're going to have a ravenous appetite for the pure milk. And so we should when it relates to the word of God. We should be hungry to hear the word of God like a newborn babe. Not irritated that we're hearing a message that maybe you, you think you know or you've heard before. But you know, listen, God knew what we needed. If he thought we needed more information, he would have given us more information and more revelation. But you have everything you need, and we need to be going over that again and again and again. In Job 23, 12, he says, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So again, you see the appetite for the word of God. I would rather have the teaching of God's word, Job says, than having a good breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I want God's instruction and guidance for my life more than anything else. And so when you think about coming to hear a Bible study, and listen, here you are. I'm right. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, right? You are here. You've gathered in. You have packed in to hear the word of God. So I commend you for that. But now make certain that you actually hear what's being said, that you don't just hear sounds and, you know, a, a voice, but you comprehend it. Uh, your quiet time. We need to be hearing the word of God each and every day going and meeting with the Lord and meditating upon his word and reading his word. And what an advantage we have in the day in which we live. Such access to the word. You know, when James was writing these brothers and sisters, the New Test this was the first New Testament book. The only thing they had prior to this was the tradition, the teaching of the apostles, which was authoritative, and eventually brought into the scriptures. But if they wanted something that had been recorded, it would have had to have been the Old Testament. But it's New Covenant time. And so for them, they didn't have the advantage that you have, that we have. We need to be digging into the Word of God. In fellowship, we need to be hearing the commandments of the Lord and the Word of the Lord from a brother or from a sister looking to speak. We should be running to God to hear him, quick to hear. Isn't this what the father said of his son? This is my beloved son. Hear him, right? Hear what he has to say. Peter, don't build three tabernacles. Hear what my son has to say. And that is where we are today. But you know, Jesus and his words, and we'll get to this a little bit more in just a minute, but Boy, he really irritates people. People really get angry. But the father says, this is my beloved son. I'm pleased in him. Hear what he has to say. Listen to his words. 
So what does he have to say about marriage? What does he have to say about gender? What does he have to say about the origins of life? What does he have to say about money? What does he have to say about everything? That's really where we should be going. What do you have to say about this, Lord? I want to know. I treasure your word more than my next meal. So, Lord, give me everything you have. We need to be quick to hear what the Lord has to say on this because he's right. He's right. We live in a messed up, chaotic world. And we need to hear the, the wisdom and the, the simplicity and the truthfulness of our, our God. And, then, and when we hear it, the conversation's over. I've heard what you've had to say. So the first thing that we read here that we need to do is we need to be swift to hear. We need to be hurry up and listen. There in verse 19, the next way in which we ought to communicate, and maybe I should just say a word, um, you know, that this is the approach we should have in our relationships with one another. Uh, we should he- want to hear what the other person has to say. And um, this is one of the hardest things to do, is when you're in a disagreement with somebody, is to actually anxiously hear what they have to say. Um, because what we want to do is we want to correct them. We want to give our opinion. And that's why I think we probably find verse 19 um, in the next phrase is be slow to speak. And you can easily see how this could apply in our relationships with each other. If you're just sitting there quietly waiting for them to be quiet, shut up in your mind, so that you can actually correct them and say what you want to say, you're not a good listener. And you don't like it when people do that with you, and nobody likes it when you do it to them, and nobody likes it when I do it to them. We want to be heard. And here's the reality. Every one of us in here has thought at some point in time, we thought we knew what they were saying, only to find out later, oh, sorry about that. I thought you were going to say, well, if you would have listened to me, You could have heard, but you wouldn't listen. So we need to be slow to speak in our relationship with each other. Pride and fear are some of the reasons why we don't listen to what people have to say. I don't need to hear you. I know everything. Now, you don't say it like that. But in the communication, that's what you're saying. Or fear. You don't want to hear what they have to say because you're afraid you're going to be wrong. You're afraid that they're going to actually be right about something. So you talk them under the table. Let's consider measured communication in a relationship with the Lord. That we need to be not only quick to hear, but we need to be slow to speak. You know, we're coming out of a section that talks about trials and temptation. And in trials, we can quickly begin to question the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. In temptation, we can begin to wonder if every good gift has come from the Lord. And so we need to learn to be slow to speak. We can be quick to speak with the Lord and tell him what we want and what we need. We can be quick to speak to the Lord about how certain situations ought to work out. But what we're exhorted to do is to be slow. It doesn't say never speak. There is a time to speak. There is a time to petition. There is a a time to ask the honest question of the Lord and say, I don't understand. There is a time to seek the face of the Lord and call upon him. 
But we are exhorted here to be slow to speak. James writes, understanding the advice that was given in the Proverbs and by King Solomon. Here's three verses for us. Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Well, that's, that's a pretty easy proverb, isn't it? I mean, I, I mean, really, I mean, just, just quiet down. Listen to what somebody has to say. And you may think, well, I, and even if you don't know what to say, people are going to begin to think you're wise because you're just, hmm, you're taking it in. And you're actually going like, I don't have a clue what to say. That's all right, too. Just, just take it in. Listen to what people have to say. Listen to what the Lord has to say. Restrain your lips. I just got to say it. No, you don't. You don't have to just say it. If it's on my mind, I've just got to say it. I've just got to just get it out. I've got I've to vent. Oh, I've got a proverb for you. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool vents his, all his feelings but a wise man holds them back. So this thing that you just have to vent, you might want to rethink that. Unless you're proud to be a fool. But in, if you're not proud to be a fool, maybe you ought to restrain what you have to say. Hold back your feelings. There's a show, don't express my feelings, stuff it. It doesn't say that. It says all your feelings. There's a place to express how you feel, and then there's a place to say, and that's enough. I don't need to share anymore. I've shared enough. Tell me everything that's there. You don't want to hear everything that's in my head. Believe me. And I don't want to hear everything that's in your head. Well, I just want to be honest. Well, honestly share part of what's in your head. <laughs> okay? The foolish person just lets it all rip. I just let him have it. I said everything was there. I just vented. That's just the way I am then that just needs to change. We need to be slow to speak. But this also applies in our relationship with the Lord because we can begin to say some pretty harsh things to the Lord. Ecclesiastes 5.2 Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. So this is an application that isn't just with each other. It is one that also is with the Lord. Well, why should I not say things that come to my mind. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. He is infinite. You are finite. God is sovereign. You are not. He is omnipotent. You're just barely getting along. And so we restrain the things that maybe we would want to say. And we think of a better way to say them or a more appropriate time to say them. Very, there are times when we don't speak up for the truth or righteousness or defend somebody like we ought to. <clears throat> but I'm just going to take a guess that we have more regrets over saying something we shouldn't have said than thinking, boy, I should have spoke up. Now listen, I think it can, it can be the other too. But the emphasis here is on speaking up when we need to talk. Remember God is omniscient. That is, he knows everything. Remember that God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And then this, he's all-loving. Now, if he's omniscient and he's omnipotent, but he's not loving, that's like a very scary relationship. But this is not a scary relationship. 
This is a relationship where we understand the power of God, we understand his knowledge, and that he loves me, and so I can withhold from speaking rashly, foolishly, venting, pointing the finger at God because of what I've gone through or my circumstances. We need to be slow to speak. We need to hear what the Lord has to say. Lord, I don't understand what's going on. Speak to me, Lord. I sit, I wait patiently to hear what you have to say. Slow to speak when you, don't, when you hear something you don't understand. There's wisdom. I'm going to wait. I'm going to understand this. I'm going to wait till I get more information. And then the next thing that he says and it carries on into verse 20, is that we should be slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, James assumes that this congregation wants the righteousness of God, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have put this out. Well, don't, don't be you know, full of wrath, because that's not a righteous thing to do. You only say that to people who want to do the righteous thing. This is a group of people that want to walk uprightly before the Lord. And so he says, be slow to wrath. If there's something I do that is not in accord with righteousness, I should want to hear what that is and be corrected by that so I can change my actions. What does not produce righteousness is ungodly anger. Now, there are places where we can see righteous anger being expressed. But we're talking about here an unrighteous anger. An unrighteous anger, wrath, will not produce the righteousness of God. If we've taken the time to listen, and if we've been slow to speak, we are on our way to hearing what God has to say. But if we come with anger, our heart will not be in tune with the Lord, will it? When you are wrestling with God and you're upset with God and you're angry with God, you're wrong. We're wrong. Okay, we, we just need to have that conclusion right now. We are never justified in having anger and, and um, displeasure with God. All that is is the confession. I don't see everything as I ought to see. Let every man be, let God be true and every man a liar. Let the whole earth gather together in one voice, and they're all wrong if God says something else. I, when I come to the realization that he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he's all-loving, I can deal with this wrath that so quickly can rise up. We talked about this last week in trials. Now you're like, well, whoever gets mad at God? Lots of people, like everyone in this room at some point in time. But we do have examples in Scripture. Let's think about that uh, Syrian general by the name of Naaman. Remember him? He has leprosy living there in Syria. And he's taken captive one of the daughters of Israel. And she speaks with him and said, oh, it's too bad you're not in Israel because there's a prophet named Elisha. And the power of God is upon him. He could heal you. Well, you know what he does? He packs his bags and he travels. <coughs> He goes down to meet Elisha, 2 Kings chapter 5. And when he comes to meet him, um, he sends a message to Elisha. And Elisha sends a messenger back. He doesn't come out to him. This infuriates Naaman. How dare this guy not come and talk to me. And then what he's told to do is to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. I know we hear the Jordan River and we have, and I, 
I think rightfully so, but we have these warm feelings and thoughts about it. But when you go to the Jordan River, it's dirty. <clears throat> it's not a, a clean river. I mean, it's muddy. Um, it's a soil, it's loose soil on the bank, so it's always coming in. And so it's, it's, it's not a clean river. And so he, this, this Syrian general is told to go dip in this dirty river seven times by a guy that won't even come out and visit with him. And he gets angry. And he says, what in the world? I could have stayed home. I, we have two rivers back home that are far better than this Jordan River. And one of his servants says to him, listen, this is an easy thing to do. I mean, if he would have told you to do something hard, you would have done it. I mean, you're so desperate to be healed of this disease. If he had told you to do something crazy, you would have done something crazy. Now he's done something, he's asked you to do something that you don't understand, but it's easy to do. Just do it. And then, of course, he does it and he is healed. But I think we often respond like Naaman. The Lord tells us to do something and we get upset with him. We don't like what he's told us to do. Like, for example, when God says, Forgive that person who has wronged you and has said they're sorry. I don't want to hear that. Now, you may not immediately get angry with the Lord, but you get angry at his Elisha. You get angry at that man or woman of God that's come to you and spoke to you, and you get angry. The world says, cut them off. Have nothing to do with them. Avoid them. But what does Jesus say? 70 times 7. Forgive them. Over and over again. The command to love your wife or to submit to your husband. Command to restrain from sex before marriage. Try saying that to somebody and see if they don't get angry at you. Command to honor and pray for the king or whoever the leaders are over us. We are to honor the leaders over us because the Bible says so. That doesn't mean we approve of everything they do, but there's a respect that they are to be shown. And we are told to pray for them. Yeah, at one point in time, I, um, when Obama was president, I said, we need to be praying for our president. Somebody left the church. They didn't like that. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The Bible says we're to pray for our leaders. How can we get angry at that? And yet, I imagine there's some, there's some little embers that are beginning to glow right now. We are to honor them, and we are to pray for them. So these are the things that can cause people to become angry with God. And we think about it in our, our, our situation with people. You know, at home, you can get angry when you're misunderstood or you're ignored or you're criticized. In church, you can get angry when you're unnoticed, overlooked, or underappreciated or somebody criticizes you. In the workplace, you're slighted. You're harassed. You're, again, overworked, overlooked. Our friends, you're left out. They didn't invite you. They've criticized you, and this can begin to be a place where anger just begins to rage. And we need to take that and we need to check that. And it's not going to produce a righteous outcome. You're not going to get a better outcome because of your anger, whether it be towards the Lord or anybody else. Now look at verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save 
your soul. So the first thing we see in verse 21 is that we are to listen with sin. We want to hear God, right? We need to be quick to hear him, but we got to set aside the sin. If there is sin in your life today, you've got to repent of that. Though, If you really want to hear from the Lord and you want him to know that you want to hear from him, then obey him in what you've already heard. Yes, uh-huh, tell me more, tell me more. Are you going to obey me? No, I'm not going to obey you. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, then as Jesus said, even what you have will be taken from you. So this is something we need to listen without sin. Removing those ungodly things, the immoral filth of our life, that should be repented of today. In verse 21, still he says, and we are to listen with meekness. Webster defines meekness as submission to the divine will without murmuring. That's meekness. It isn't just like, all right, whatever, you're God, I'll do it because you'll smoke me if I don't. No. It's, it's hands lifted up and praise and worship. Lord, thank you that you would show me. And even though I don't understand, I know you're right and I'm going to obey you. Meekness looks expectantly and only to the Lord for direction and guidance in their life. We don't come and listen to God to evaluate what he has to say. We come to God and hear what he has to say. We listen with meekness that we might obey and submit ourselves to that divine will. Then in verses 22 through 25, we're told to listen obediently. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Of course, that's something that we see abounding. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So in verses 22 through 25, we're told to listen obediently. We listen with humility, but the outcome is we're going to obey. Now, we're to be doers and not hearers only. If you're a hearer, then you're one that has been deceived. It's not enough to hear what God has to say. We must walk in obedience. And this is the thing that is, um, you know, the false teachers and prophets our own flesh loves to, to, to come to as well. Hey, you can do whatever you want. It's all right, because God is gracious. You turn over a few pages and look in Jude. Look at verse 4 and how people will use God's grace as a cloak to cover their sin. It's like, hey, God's gracious so I can live in sin. No, you can't. The Bible doesn't say that. Can you repent of your sin? Yes. Does God care if you walk in sin? Absolutely. And what is evidence of a believer's life is that we will not only hear, but we will obey. And then in verses 23 and 24, he gives the illustration of like looking into a mirror and seeing what's out of place, what you look like, and then you walk away and you forget it. What's that? You get out of bed, you look in the mirror, and um, you, you don't adjust what's out of place and you walk out the door and I think spiritually speaking there's a lot of people walking around with spiritual bedhead <laughs> I mean you 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 saw it you know it's not right you know this thing is out of place in your life you've observed it through the word of God you've observed it in fellowship you're exhorted at church and yet you don't you don't adjust what you've seen 
And so you walk out and he says, this is, this is foolishness. you got to correct what you see. And then in verse 25, he talks about the blessing of obedience. The law gives freedom, he says, because it is only in obeying God's law that true freedom can be found. John 8, 31 and 32 Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Obeying God's word is where liberty is at. Ah, I don't want to be all bound up. I don't want somebody controlling me. Oh, no. That's where freedom is found. Freedom. Anybody can live a life in bondage to sin in their own flesh and anger. It takes a free person to not be controlled when the anger goes off. Well, I just can't control my anger. You just don't know me. Yeah, yeah, you can. Because if somebody was standing in front of you, six foot six, 325 pounds of rippling muscles, and had a big sharp knife that was angry, you would control your temper. You get angry because you can get away with it. You blast people because you're not afraid of the reprisal that will come upon your life. Obeying our emotions, that's where slavery is found. That's where you find bondage. But blessing is promised to the obedient. This is where freedom is found. Luke eleven twenty eight. it's the last verse. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. You want to have a full life? You want to have a blessed life? Then obey the Lord. Hear what he has to say. And then run into it. Evaluate your appetite for the word of God. Don't rail against the counsel of God, but yield to it. Walk in obedience to the Lord. And then discover the blessing of walking a life of surrender to the Lord. You'll find freedom and you'll find his blessing. May today be a special day to receive the word of God, which he says is able to save, which all the more reason for believers to want to obey it. We know of its power to save, so certainly we want to obey what it has to say in all of these other areas. Heed your Lord, your master. And you may say, yeah, but everybody else is saying. It doesn't matter what everybody else is saying. What matters is what does God's word say? And if everybody else says it's wrong, they're liars. And, and this is the confidence that the Lord wants us to have. And when we walk it out, you will know the blessing. May today be that special day where we make those changes. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We do want to hurry up and listen what you have to say because, Lord, what you have to say is right every time, all the time, all day long. And we are surrounded by so much of what other people have to say, probably more than any other generation in the history of the world. We hear what other people have to say. And in many ways, that's inescapable. But Lord, all the more reason to take heed to this passage, which says to listen to you. We confess, Lord, you are true. You are right. So we close here in this song. There's an area where you need to obey. Obey the Lord. If you need to confess an area where you've been walking in disobedience, then confess that. If you've been shaking your fist and raising your voice all on the inside, but you know it's there, repent. 
You don't have to understand what the real answer is. We just got to know who God is. You may never know why, but you know who. And God is true. And God is right. And he's given everything to redeem you. You, me, we can trust him completely, implicitly.